This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. <laughs> um, RJ Balog. And we're just two guys with no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection once by number Come on. time in order for release. This week, we're trying to charm the pants off a millionaire's son who has spent the last year on an island studying snakes and finding ourselves finding and falling in love. Oh, fuck. You really ruined this. <laughs> Keep going. What else do you have to say? As we're talking about Spine 103 in the Criterion Collection, <laughs> Preston Sturgis' uh, The Lady Eve from 1941. But first, RJ, um, mm-hmm. how are those uh, chocolate almonds doing? Hey, you know what? Jarrett has such a tight schedule, and I told him that Wednesday's my most busiest day of the week. <laughs> and I didn't even eat dinner, and I literally just got home from work, and I just need a little a little boost. To give you guys the content that you crave, it's that hot that hot takes on butts and dumps and stuff. That doesn't come for free, man. It comes at a cost, my soul and my energy. And the only way I can fix this is to uh, power load before the movies or the movies. See, I can't even talk. Do you have a particular brand of uh, chocolate almond that you eat? We go with the Kirkland brand. Okay. Uh, because um. Obviously, because uh, Costco stuff is in bulk and it is cheaper than the rest. Mm-hmm. I think that huge bag at Costco is like, it's pretty pricey. It's like 17 bucks, but it'll last you like a month or so. Okay. But uh, I I love chocolate almonds, man. Do you, Are you eating them right out of a bag or do you have a bowl to control yourself? I got, I got a little bowl. I'm not a complete fucking animal, uh, but I do eat out of the bag sometimes. But that's that's dangerous. You, you can't have free access to that shit. Do you walk around the house with the bag kind of under your arm, just kind of take a handful at a time? Well, no, I it's clipped into a like uh, a holster. Yeah, but yeah, handful at a time. They are my. These are uh, in case anyone was wondering. These are my uh, my big uh, my big guilty pleasure. Not guilty pleasure. That's not the right word. But you know, I'm a sucker for chocolate almonds. Yeah. In case anyone was looking for a Valentine's Day present for me. For next year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the only holiday that counts. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, uh, RJ. Uh, hey, what's uh, up, Jared? Uh, I don't. Not much. Uh, it was daylight daylight savings time, and uh, mm-hmm. so it's like really fucking bright here in uh, my stu- part of the studio. Mm. Yeah, your studio is flooded with light. I can't even see you very well. No, probably not. I'm, but I'm, the parts that I can see are glowing. Wow, thank you. That's like the nicest mm-hmm. thing you've ever said to, to me hey, on shut this up. podcast ever. Well, you didn't deserve it. I didn't. I didn't do anything to earn it. I had no control over this blinding sun. Uh, yep. how, how are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. 
I uh, had a busy week. That's it. Okay. Hey. No. Uh, well, before you uh, go on, we have an email. Do we really? Yeah, we got oh, an email from from Big Josh. Ooh, we haven't heard from him for a while. Yep. What's he shaking on? Well, he writes us, Hey guys, sorry it's been so long since I've written. I've recently moved to a new country and started doing newer, busier uh-huh. things. I've still been listening, and I love the new theme song, by the way. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Ugly Cry Club, for that song. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to write in to check in, say keep doing the good work, friends. Kind regards. Thank you, Josh. Nice. It's very uh, it's very nice of him to yell in. Uh, we thought he had died. <laughs> And someone, had, in, and someone had stolen his uh, his mobile device and was using his Instagram films. to log uh, to log uh, photos of New York City and mm. uh, log films mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. Yeah. Hey, I think this is great for the podcast because uh, if he is in New York, he's in the heart of the action. Uh, he can uh, see things that we only dream about. Well, I do believe uh, the Criterion Collection headquarters, that legendary closet, or just like down uh-huh. the street. So. Because I imagine maybe, New York is just one block or whatever. So, yeah, maybe he can uh, put some of our pamphlets under their doors or something. Mm-hmm. Or uh, maybe one day we'll have a merch or something like that, and he can wear them around. And the CEO of Criterion, uh, Mister Criterion B Collection, will be walking by, and he'll be like, "Oh, hey, that's a pretty sweet hat, huh?" <laughs> it's okay, thank. Uh, good job, Hank Hill. <laughs> Did I do it? Good. Um. Anyways, hey. Uh, <laughs> What's up? So, RJ, you got any stories for us? Yeah, I got a few stories for you, Jared. <laughs> I, I noticed I the, the, the Instagram was ablazing with activity for the first time in forever. Well, yeah, because you stopped doing it a while ago. But uh, I took it among on myself to start posting again. Uh, there was a long, uh, a, much ado about nothing. I don't know. That's not the phrase. but uh, So I went on an adventure this weekend. Um, in the lab I used to work in with all the guys, whenever we'd have a hard week or something wouldn't work, we'd be like, fuck this shit. After torturing and killing rats. We never tortured them. (laughs) Not, not really. Like I gave them treats and shit. So it wasn't that bad. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, like whenever we would just like something would, would be like, fuck this. We'd always be like, let's go to great falls, Montana. Let's go to this place, this, uh, infamous bar called the sip and dip. Um, we had heard about it from other people in our building and I remember it was getting a, I saw it in like a GQ magazine once too. It was in like top 10, like dive bars in America or something like that. And I remember someone brought it up once. I was like, well, great falls. I was like, that's not too far from us. That's like only three hours by car from, from here. So, uh, we had always joked about it for years and years. It's like, fuck, well, we got to go to the sip and dip because we want to go check this place out. And the big allure, the big allure of the sip and dip is that uh, it has mermaids in the bar. And I know what you're thinking. What do you mean? Uh, Well, get this. Uh, In the bar, behind the bar, there is this big, these panels of glass like windows. And on the other side is a big pool. And they have uh, ladies in uh, big mermaid fins and tails uh, jumping into the pool. And they're swimming and they're dipping and they're diving and... They're doing all sorts of shit. So we had always heard about this uh, this place. It's got like a tiki bar theme appropriately. And I'm like, fuck, we got to go there. So uh, about a week or two ago, this all happened very fast. Uh, the guys that I used to work with, they all got jobs in different places. One's going to Ontario. One's moving to BC. 
One's going to have to go back to India whenever he's done. So uh, we were like, well, fuck, we better go now or else we'll never go. So we went. Where are you going, RJ? Nowhere. Yeah. Nowhere in life. Uh, I I chose to uh, hold the fort. There always needs to be one to hold the fort. But the... No, they're they're leaving, and that's what the game is. And I don't want to. I, I ain't about that life, Jarrett. So I'm a, I'm gonna hold it down here, keep it real. So uh, we went down in the sip and dip to the Great Falls. It was gonna be a night of uh, heavy boozing, heavy debauchery, and it was, and it was great. So I put a couple pictures on. I might put up more later if there's interest. Uh, one of the big draws of this place is they have these fishbowl drinks, and they are thirty dollars American each. Uh, they have ten <laughs> shots in them. Uh, it's like eight shots of different kinds of rums, and then two shots of like just blue stuff that like makes it blue. So we got a couple of them bad boys. Uh, only a couple because we didn't want to overdo not the alcohol, but uh, we figured those would have high sugar content, and we'd be getting some heavy gut rot. So we had a couple of those, and then we uh, stuck to some other stuff. Um, I had probably the biggest puke of my whole life. I think I lost a kidney. Uh, I can post that to the Instagram if anyone is in, if you're interested in seeing what might be. Now, people know me. I don't exaggerate ever. This might be the hugest puke, pile of puke you have ever seen in your whole life. So uh, we saw it the night of, and then the next day we went back and we looked again because we're like, how big was that puke? But I'll have you know, you can be proud. I rallied. I, I kept drinking after I puked even, so it was fine. Um, so what did we do? We get, we did we got into some stuff down there. It was pretty fun. Uh, it was really busy. Uh, people were really mad at us because we had a booth. Uh, one lady walked by and she pointed at us and she was like, look at this shit. Because two guys were out having a smoke. And like there was drinks in their places. So apparently this lady like doesn't realize how a bar works and that people can leave their seats and they're still like occupied. She's like, look at this shit. She's like, when do we have to come here at like 11 a.m.? And we're like, settle down, lady. Um, She's saying it out loud like she wouldn't be there at 11 a.m. anyway. Yeah. But like we were she was saying it like right to us. And uh, me and the guy was with like looked at her like, what? It's like, why are you yelling at us? Like, we didn't do anything. Um, but anyways, there was one big story that I wanted to tell you about. So uh, my buddy Hot Cam was on this uh, trip, and we've talked about him before. Uh, he was dubbed Hot Cam by, uh, I think, undergrads when he was TA in a class. Doesn't matter. So Hot Cam used to be really into metal. And the way he dresses is a little provocative. He, uh, he was wearing a black tank top. And a chain, like a tight chain, and a trucker hat, which was actually a Baylog a auction hat that nice. I gave him. So he was uh, putting out some serious vibes. Uh, some older ladies came and talked to us at one point about uh, his chain and asked him if it was custom made. He replied, he was like, yeah, I went to Canadian Tire and I cut a link of chain and now I wear it. <laughs> and they're like, ooh, fancy. So uh, he was getting a lot of attention. And at one point, uh, he was at the bar getting uh, some drinks for us. And a guy was there, and he was talking to him. And uh, he was like, all right, whatever. And we were watching, and the guy left. And then a bunch of older ladies came, like, older than me, like 45, maybe getting close to 50. They came back, and they were talking to him. And he kind of looked at us. He was like, uh, like, gave us a weird look. And then the lady was, like, taking his hat off and wearing it. And they were making all sorts of laughs. And they were doing weird stuff, Jared. So then he came back and he was like, he's like, that was weird. And we're like, what happened? He's like, oh, well, I was talking to that guy. He's like, I was just making conversation. I was like, he's like, uh, yeah, it's 
a cool place to hang out, hey? And then the guy, like, got weird and then left. And then the ladies came back and they were like, hey, we heard you were hitting on our husband. Not all of them, but, like, one. there was one alpha woman. She was like, I heard you were hitting on my husband. And uh, he's like, no, I wasn't. And she's like, no, it's okay. Like, she looked at how he was dressed because she thought he was cruising, apparently. She's like, no, it's okay. It's not a big deal. He was and he's rocking like, that uh, Al Pacino that black Al Pacino tank top. That Al Pacino look. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I think he did have a bandana, but I, I don't know which... Uh, which pocket it was on uh, or which yeah which, which back pocket yeah, yeah. Uh, for the bandana code mm-hmm. but uh hanky. she's like yeah hanky she's like no it's okay it's no big deal and he's like no i wasn't hitting on him and he's like she's like all right well whatever you know maybe we'll talk later and he came back and he's like yeah that was really weird and then like they like throughout the course of the night the one main lady kept coming to her table and talking to us and she very casually was like well you know we're in this room and, like, if you are interested in, like, coming to hang out, you can come and hang out with us. And he was like, all right, whatever. He's like, I'm not going to, but sure. And then later at one point, I think he was up for a smoke or something. He came in. He's like, all right, this is getting weird. He's like, so that lady invited me back to her room. And they don't want me to have sex with the husband, but they want me to have sex with her. But he's going to be there. And there's going to be some other people in the room, too. So this is like, this was like a real life fucking eyes wide shut, like beta cuck situation where they just wanted like hot cam to bang this old lady in front of her husband and like other people in the room. Hmm. And he was just like, uh, no thanks. Like, I, I don't really want to, but then they kept, they kept coming back to us over and over again. So it got to a point where we were like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. So we went back to our room and drank beer and got pizza. It was already... And vomited. Yeah, I vom- Well, I, I puked before. That was mm-hmm. the reason we left. I had a huge puke, and I was like, let's go get pizza, and we'll just drink in the room. And then uh, Hot Cam was like, yeah, this lady's really fucking creeping me out. So there was that, too. But um, it was also... Uh, we got really royally fucked because of the time change, because it was like 12... <laughs> And we're like, oh, well, we got lots of time. We can, like, order pizzas and, like, we'll keep drinking beer in the room. And then it was all out, out of nowhere. We got fucked over by the time change because we had we thought we had lots of time. And then it jumped an hour. And then all the pizza places closed. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got it eventually. But anyways, so we were almost a part of some weird sex orgy beta cuck well, situation. your friend was. I, I don't hear, yeah, anyone, not all I, I didn't hear no. anyone asking you to, like, come on in. No, no one invited me, so but uh, how does Hot that, Cam was invited. Do you, does, was that a blow to your self-esteem at all, that you weren't being, uh, you know, no. approached? <laughs> no, they were gross. <laughs> no, they were gross uh, gross humans. Uh, they were just really in the Hot Cam because he was putting off that cruising vibe. Yeah. And he is a hot dude, like all the ladies say. He's got muscles. He's got he's got some muscles. Uh, muscles. And uh, no, uh, apparently they were from Lethbridge too, which is also oh. kind of weird. So we ran into a bunch of people from Creepsville down there that were also <laughs> taken in the mermaids. Well, but uh, no, that was a that was a new one for me. I've never, um, as as you pointed out, I wasn't invited or involved in any way. But I've never seen that in real life where people are like, "Hey, do you want to like have sex with this lady in front of this guy?" It's like, uh, no. Well, you know why? What you're doing wrong is you're not telling people about the podcast and being like talking that up. Uh, I mean, you got to use what you got. I mean, so you, just so you know, I have a podcast. Yeah, you can get that on iTunes. You know. <laughs> yeah, you we we have like eight ratings on iTunes. We're yeah, doing really we're, good. We're internationally known. 
Yeah, that one's true, actually. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I thought I'd tell you that because you're always on about beta, <laughs> beta cucks, so I thought you would like that story. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always taking to Twitter, just talking about everyone's a cuck. Yeah, how you're uh, an alpha and you, you really raw dog and get down. and Talking about libtards, soy boys. Libtards. All the... Yeah, I like that soy boy one. That's funny. Anyways. Anyways, well... Thanks Fun for stuff. thanks for your uh, correspondence going on assignment, um, yep. getting sick and uh, yeah, it's like real like third rung vice uh, quality uh, reporting right there. Hey man, I could probably write an article just on that pilot puke. Yeah, you've never seen it. I'm gonna message it to you at some point during the show tonight. Okay, and you can let me know if you think it's actually up to snuff. And keep in mind, this is an entire day later. That we I, we took the picture, so hashtag rate my puke, rate my puke. Yeah, if anyone else is interested, I'll I'll direct message you, or you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. We're glad we went. We went. I don't know if it would have been your kind of trip. Yeah, uh, you would have liked the mermaids, but I don't think you would have liked the uh, the atmosphere in the room. It was really stinky and really sour and just hot, so hot. But uh, I don't know. After you drink a certain point, you don't care. As, well, we cared, but you don't really care as much anymore. So it was good. <sighs> yeah. Well, it's too bad. I missed out on the mermaids. Uh, one day. We'll get you there. One day. Hey, RJ. Uh, while being debauched, what, what have you been yeah. creeping on? I just have some light creeps for you. Yeah, that's about, where, that's about where I'm at, too. And I didn't even like go anywhere and do anything interesting. That's okay. We can just talk about creep light. Yeah. We don't need we don't need a a big bloating episode. Uh I watched uh the last of uh, our friend friend of the show Mike Flanagan's movies. Mm-hmm. And by last I mean one of his first, his second movie? Oh uh, no, his like third third or, third or fourth, whatever it came out. They got tied up in some right stuff, but it's on Netflix now, so Yeah, the uh the Long Gestating uh, Before I Wake by Mike Flanagan that was held up in some kind of WWE world. Or is that Absentia? No, abs- Oculus. Oculus. That's the one that's owned by WWE. Okay, well, anyways. no, co- co- it was like you, a you, co- yeah. produced, co-distributed thing. They're, they're like fifth on that list. They got their they got their brand on there. Uh, but I know Before I Wake was a, it's a relativity is a company yeah. and like the problem with them was that they uh like kind of went bankrupt and they're like in the middle of like yeah. collapse and so all these movies that they own kind of went away as well and the distribution for this movie was real wanky but i think now it's all worked mm-hmm. out so can continue yeah so exactly what you said uh and so people have wanted this for a long time it was just never available not in the states at least yeah. Can- canadian netflix had it a long time ago. and I-, I had it on blu-ray for like a year yeah so just not in the states. No. Uh, anyways, you talked about the show before. Yep. But it is about a young married couple, a Kate Bosworth and a Thomas Jane, mm-hmm. and they're dealing with some grief. They had recently lost their son, and it was a couple years ago. And they think they're ready to maybe try again, but uh, not have kids. They they're thinking about fostering some kids to try to bring some love back into their life. So they foster this little kid, and then they find out uh, the kid from Room and Wonder, you know, Jacob Tremblay, everyone's favorite child actor. Uh, so he moves in, uh, and he had a hard go. Apparently the last person tried to kill him that he fostered with, and you're like, ooh, shit. 
That's crazy. And you find out that uh, when he goes to sleep at night, he dreams, and his dreams become real life. They, they manifest. They manifest. Yeah. So a big dream of his is butterflies. So when he goes to sleep, the house gets full of butterflies. Uh, and so whatever he dreams about. Um, so that's what this movie is about. I think this movie is uh, really good, actually. Um, like, there's... I'll say up okay up front. There's some stuff that's not great. Mm-hmm. There's like some kind of like tropey cliche kind of horror stuff, but I think at the heart of it, there's a really good movie in there because it's kind of dealing with like grief and loss, which you've pointed out many times is like what Mike Flanagan is all about mm-hmm. is t- telling stories about loss. Uh, I really like so in in this story, you kind of see that the mom like takes advantage of this little kid for her own use where it's like oh hey you should watch this movie of my kid that died and uh you should dream about it so that her kid that died can come back and i think like i actually really like that because it's they're showing like how she's dealing with grief and it's in this kind of obsessive kind of wrong way and the husband's like this isn't good but she's like what am i supposed to do and you're like what would you do that's a good point we would some of us would probably even do that too so I think it actually shows like that that stuff really well where I was just like, shit, there's some real heart to this movie. But then there's some some other stuff where you're just like, eh, not as important, I think. Yeah, because I'm trying to remember because, yeah, there's the, the one aspect you haven't mentioned is like there's like the dark manifestation. There's like not just oh, – can- yeah, it's not just – yeah, The oh, canker that, man. Yes, canker man. So uh, there's like that whole thing, which I think is done well. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's the canker man, which is like a demon thing that he like frequently dreams about. And I think that is done in a really good way also. Uh, like it is kind of horror tropey, but I think the rationale behind it later is good also because it's it's another form of like grief and loss and like trying to trying to like adjust to things again. Yeah. So but through like the eyes of a kid and you're like, oh, that's that's a good idea, too. Like mm-hmm. that's. Yeah, I thought that makes that, sense. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a not to go into it too much. It's it's a twist in the movie, and I think it actually works quite well. It's actually like I didn't really yep. expect it, and went, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, yep. I mean, I, this movie sucks if you're Thomas Jane, his character. Oh <laughs> yeah, because you just go away. Well, I think as you would you routinely say, a thankless role because it's a man with a haircut that is in no way doing him any favors uh, that hair does not look good on him and he's just like the voice of reason he's like oh fuck we shouldn't like abuse this little kid's uh like thing to for your own like well-being and kate bosworth's like shut up thomas jane i want to see my son again but like it's like i said oh, what's his name i think i think that is a good form like a good way to show grief like through the mother's eyes it's like yeah shit that's pretty deep or dark. What's the name of uh, the actor who plays Night Owl? Uh, something Josh Lucas? No. Something Lucas? Not I'll, Josh. He, Josh Lucas looks like he, him. He, that's like the that's like the thankless role Tom Jane. Thomas uh, Wilson. Uh, b- b- Matthew Good? Patrick Wilson. No, Patrick Wilson. Patrick, Patrick See, I Wilson. Was ki- I was kind of close. No, wait. Josh Lucas is a guy that I think was in the A-team, and Josh Lucas looks like Patrick Wilson. You should have said Black Manta. Because he's going to be uh, in that new Aquaman movie. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, thankless roles. But uh, no, I actually think 
the way they show the grief and mourning of the mother is done really well. But then with the little kid, it's done really well also. I think it's the parts that kind of lose you a little bit is when they use that, like the canker man as a horror movie monster. Mm. And you're like, all right, I think it loses it a little bit, but the reveal of what it is later is worth it. If that makes sense. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a whole bit about, people just walking into places and magics happened and then people just leave and you're like oh there's no repercussions to this whatsoever oh like the disappearing children and you're just like uh not even just that like just the the whole bit back at the like social services office oh right (laughs) the the climax of the film i don't know i've seen some people like really fucking hate this movie like they they, they, um i think that's a little much yeah, there's like some people have some real strong feelings about this movie, and they're like, "I hate, I hated this," and I'm like, "What's like? There's nothing really wrong with it. I mean, it's 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 not without some faults, and the faults yeah. don't like they're not strong enough, or they're not weak enough to be overcome by the movie's strengths. So it's like kind of like uh, second tier Mike Flanagan. Yeah, for, but I mean, I still think uh, Ouija uh, Two is his like worst movie. Sure. Yeah. Yep. No. Um. I, uh, it's like I said, I actually liked it. There are things I didn't like about it. Like, I don't think it's up there with his good movies, like his real good movies. So it is a little bit near the bottom. But, uh, I think what's underneath this thing, like what they're getting at with loss and grief and all that stuff, I think that's very well done. It's real nice. Mm. But, uh, yeah, there's just some stuff that's not as good. But, anyways, I did it. Now I'm done. Woo! Woo! He's going to hit that Dr. Sleep next after his uh, miniseries. Oh, yeah. He's, He's doing that. What is that? Uh, the House. House on Haunted Hill. Hill House. Miniseries. Yeah. Series, and then he'll do uh, some more Stephen King after that for Netflix, which yeah. is nice. Yep. Yeah. So anyways. Cool. Uh, so then I watched another movie that you've seen. Yes. Uh, a Netflix movie. Brigsby Bear. It's not a Netflix brought... movie. Yeah. It is now. It is, it's on Netflix now. Okay. As it is now. Uh, yeah, so from those Lonely Island guys, that Andy Samberg, that uh, Joakim Noah. That's not his name, but it's something like that. Um, so you've talked about Brigsby Bear. You explained what that plot is about. Well, uh, re- remind the audience. It's been, a while. Right. it's been a while. It's been a while. So Brigsby Bear, you open up and you see this little kid. No, he's not little at all. He's like 30 years old. You see this guy who's like living as a kid kind of in this shelter. Not like a bomb shelter, but it's kind of like an underground. Yeah. Yeah. So he's living in the shelter and he's like really obsessed with this show, this Brigsby Bear show. And it's kind of like a Care Bears, Transformers, all sorts of like 80s shows mixed into one where there's this bear character and he's the hero. It's live action. yeah, live action with his sidekick. They take on uh, the sun, sun Snatch or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's like this big, big baddie who's kind of like a moon but steals the sun. And uh, so he's really obsessed with this show. And he has his two parents. Uh, there's a lady who you recognize from a million movies, but no one knows what her real name is. And then like, you have... Like, like uh, Joyce from Happiness. There you are. Joy. That's Joy. Yeah, exactly. One of your faves. Yeah, that movie um and then the dad is mark hamill hey friends luke skywalker uh and he uh really humors the kid and or the the man i guess the young (laughs) man and he's like yeah he's like those are good ideas you have about that brigsby bear you're doing great buddy and they have this weird kind of life 
And then and this is the first like 10 minutes. Then the police come and take the young man away. And you find out that he was abducted as a baby. And these people have stolen him and have been raising him for the last like 30 years. But he's not even their son. And it's about him readjusting not even readjusting adjusting (laughs) adjusting to life outside of his little bubble so he's in the real world now with like his natural family and nobody knows what brigsby bear is uh he doesn't understand it he thinks it's the most popular thing in the world uh he's got all these ideas about stuff but it's not how the real world is and he doesn't really get it he doesn't really fit in and he's just kind of like trying his best man he's trying his best so I, I will preface a little bit. Uh, I watched this on Sunday when I got home from Great Falls. And I just got like $30 worth of Dairy Queen food. And uh, when I'm really hungover, I don't know what it is. This is a little secret about me, Jared. I'm like hyper emotional for some reason. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is. But like one time I was, uh, I was hungover, I was watching um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And there's a scene in that movie where a guy, I think it's Mr. T is the voice actor. He's got his whole family on a grilled cheese and he jumps through a Dorito. And like in the theater, I just burst out crying. I was like, oh, my God, because <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful, Jared. But I was really emotional. And that's how I felt with this movie. So this movie really stuck with me because I was in like this primed emotional state. And I was watching this and I was like, fuck, it's beautiful. I was like, it's. I was like, it's beautiful. I was like, this poor bastard. I was like, he's he's adjusting to his real life, and he's trying his best, and he's so sweet, and he's a kind person, and he doesn't want to do anything wrong, and everyone's look like just trying their best, and uh, I thought it was beautiful, man. I really liked this movie. Hmm. I did. Uh, I watched this with Andy, and she also really liked this movie. Um, I think that this movie. Besides me being this piece of shit who's really emotional, um, I think this is a really well-made movie. Uh, the way that it, everything is kind of put together and even the way the movie just flows, like the the pacing and the editing and like the way the plot kind of ticks, ticks off. Like I was like, this is a really well-put-together movie. Is it going places you kind of expect? Yes, yeah, sometimes. Not always. But on the whole, I was like, man, they really uh, – I was like – there's more put into this movie than like 60% of movies that come out into the big theaters. 60%. Maybe like, I don't know, 75. I know I'm more like, that's such a random number. <laughs> well, I was, I was trying to think, I was like, well, there are some good movies out there, but there's a lot of bad movies out there. Mm. And I think this had a limited theater run, right? Yeah. It seemed to be like a festival movie. And uh, it seemed like the people who first saw this movie were just like, had their like asses blown away and were like super into it and then like when the rest of the world saw it they were kind of like yeah it's okay it's good it's not bad it's not a bad movie and then uh yeah now it's uh finding more people watching it on netflix because it's very much like uh of a type of movie that you'd see on netflix yeah like, I, I, in my mind like i haven't seen like frank it feels like it's a movie that's slotted into that same kind uh, of uh that type of movie yeah. making similar I've seen Frank. Yeah. This is miles ahead of Frank, I think. Okay. But it's, but it's, uh, I think people would disagree with that maybe. I think Frank is a more serious movie. Uh, this movie is a little playful, and I like that. Right. I mean, so my memory of this movie at this point is that like, I liked 
I like the idea of it. I like the uh, the Brigsby Bear stuff. The mm-hmm. like the whole process of making it and whatnot, and then the mm-hmm. idea of, like we're going to make a movie about it. Um, there's sort of yeah, there's like bits and pieces of the movie I think are quite good. I mean, it always kind of falls flat for me though when I think back to it is like it just kind of does the tidy knot sort of ending where everyone comes together and everybody watches the movie and everyone is just mm-hmm. like super into it and applause and like law enforcement Greg Kinnear comes along with it and he's into it all and it's yeah. all just like yep 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 and mm-hmm. it's like none of this is like bad but it's all kind of like uh, just typical indie movie filmmaking to yep. it where it's like yeah we're going to do everything just right in the easiest way possible and I mm-hmm. think to myself like watching this I'm like man imagine if like Spike Jones had this material like how mm-hmm. like amazing this movie would actually be like because he would yep. or like Charlie Kaufman involved like that sort of filmmaking because this like this is a mm-hmm. movie that like kind of uh, fits in with like Swiss Army Man as well mm-hmm. it's sort of like that feel to it even like almost a similar uh, color palette sure. uh, whereas like Swiss Army Man is just like dumb <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. and it's really okay with it where Briggsy Bear actually is trying to make this it's like a I don't even know what call it a straight comedy it's a comedy drama and yeah. it just kind of falls down that uh, path of like yeah you've, you've seen every single plot beat here before and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you liked it uh, quite a bit more than I did I guess or like yeah. or, or, or resonated with you more um, mm-hmm. yeah, like the yeah the lonely island island people like i'm not really familiar with their stuff like i've seen pop star and yeah. uh but that's really it's totally different thing from this. very very different yeah well they're they're like just mainly producers so like the guy who wrote this is an actor and he's the main like the main character so him and another dude wrote this and i looked into it like they haven't written anything else like movies wise that are credited uh i think they did some online skit type stuff but that's it Right. Like they don't have anything else. I think they're just. I think what it is is they're probably just friends with like Andy Samberg and Lonely Island guys, and maybe I don't know. Maybe they did some SNL stuff or something like that, and they probably just had this idea for a long time that they wanted to do. So I think it's that's like an accomplishment in itself. Is like these guys didn't really like this is their first dip into movies. It seems unless right. they were involved in other stuff they're not credited for. Right. But uh, no, I know what you mean. Like it, that's that's like like what I was saying. Like it does go through areas that you're you kind of you're like ah okay I I think I saw that coming. That's fine, whatever. But I think it does it in a way where it's really like warm and not like uh, not inviting. But you're just like man, I feel I feel this makes me feel good, and it's it's a feel good movie, Jared. That, that's what uh, I liked about it. And I'm not always in those feel-good ones, but uh, it hit me in the right spot the day that I watched it. And I don't know. It's it's a unique movie. It's about, like, this guy dealing with this weird, like, revelation. He's like, what am I fucking doing with – he's like, what is my life? Like, what is what is everything? What is anyone's life? Okay. And he's, like, dealing with it in his own way, kind of. Okay, the one thing I just remembered Did about that. Did I trigger that. you? No, I just remembered something like one of the things I remember being a highlight is uh, Tim Heidecker's hockey movie. Mm, that's mm-hmm. that's uh, buried in there. And it's like how shitty it is. And I'm like, and he like the fact that uh, the, he the, our it? lead man's like, oh man, this is movies? This is incredible. Mm. And it's just like, no, this is this is not good. It's mm. <laughs> They're like Mighty Ducks movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like a Mighty Ducks movie. But um, no, see, I liked all that stuff. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. The only thing that's weird is uh, inspired awe. It inspired awe. 
The only thing I didn't really like was there's a scene where Greg Kinnear is eating lunch, and he's eating like blueberries or something, and his teeth are just like purple and black. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing, Greg Kinnear? You're a fucking movie star. <laughs> You're a movie star. He's don't changing, be at, he's changing his image. Don't be John Q. Everyman. No. Be a movie star. Yeah, he's just he's only Greg Kinnear, man. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe him and Bill Paxton can meet up one day. <laughs> they will. We all will. We'll all hang mm-hmm. out together one day. Exactly. But yeah, I liked it. It was good. So, anyways, that's all I watched. Just I know. two movies that you've already covered on the show before. Well, fuck. Until like the last day or so, I'd only watched like two other movies. Um, because like, yeah, as I was saying last week, uh, after going through all those best picture movies and like not really having set up like a, a schedule mm-hmm. of movies I was going to watch in March, I was just like, maybe I'll take advantage of this gap and just like not watch movies as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I already started doing that between, uh, my Tuesday meetup, uh, Wednesday recording the podcast, Thursday being my long ass day working at the mm-hmm. uni and at the comic shop. I'm pretty burnt out at the end of those, and uh, it's not October. I'll have to save myself up for that when I'm doing some serious mm-hmm. uh, horror watching. But uh, yeah, I'm just been enjoying time to like not do those things. But I did manage to get a couple movies in. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those is uh, one I've been meaning to get to for a very long time, and finally I was like, you know what? I think it's time to watch this radio, uh, radio talking heads. Uh, you fucking music, chump! Music uh, concert. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I've said before, I'm not really a fan of the music concert. Uh, most yeah. recently, after watching Shine a Light, I was just kind of like, well, that wasn't very interesting at all. And mm-hmm. uh, that was my experience of Last Waltz. And just in general, I don't go on my way to watch any of these. So I was kind of like, well, this talking head stopped making sense. I see a lot of people really, really like this one. And a lot of people say mm-hmm. this is like one of the best music concert things they've ever watched. And I'm Was like, it? Uh, well... I I like I like the I like those talking heads. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like in my mind. I'm like I don't really go to my way to listen to them necessarily, but I like quite a few of their songs. Uh, yeah. So this was directed by Jonathan Demi, who also mm-hmm. directed that Silence of the Lambs, <gasps> and uh, he made this back in '84. Mm-hmm. And what it is is it's like he worked with David Byrne, uh, the front man for Talking Heads, and they put together this concert film over the course of three days uh, where they were performing this particular set of shows. And yeah, um, this thing starts mm-hmm. off with a bang. It starts off with a rendition of Psycho Killer, uh, one of oh, their shit. their iconic songs, and it's like really like uh, amazingly shot. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they got the guy who did the. Uh, the trailer and the opening cards for Dr. Strangelove to do the titles for this. Mm, neat. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, this like, I, I fucking love this actually. Really? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Like I just like, it reminded me, I'm like, Oh yeah, I really like the talking heads. And, yeah. um, yeah, like it, it's very well made. Um, it, it's that hour and a half went by pretty quick. I mean, there's mm-hmm. like a point in time where, so what, what it does is it starts off with just uh, David Byrne singing with a, uh, a boom box to his side. And it's just him mm-hmm. doing a solo version of psycho killer. And then a second, yes. and then a second member of the band comes out and they do a two person rendition of a song and then a third and then a fourth mm-hmm. three, as they progress through the tracks. And then they wind up with this whole, the whole ensemble and they're going through their songs up to 84. And uh, yeah, like it's like, Really well shot, shot on film. Uh, it's just like, I don't know what was wrong with Shine a Light. Like, it, it just seems so showy and typical and boring. Just because the Rolling Stones suck? No. Like, there's like a lot of 
Rolling Stone songs I like, but they have nah. they, but they have so many songs, and mm-hmm. like so they'll play like stuff where you're like oh yeah, and they, they usually are aren't playing versions that are better than the studio versions, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like easy to check out. Whereas this, like I don't know, their songs are like just um, I don't know, they get you into it. Uh, mm-hmm. are, what are your thoughts on those Talking Heads, RJ? Uh, I like the Talking Heads. Uh, one time I was doing karaoke at a local bar called Honkers, mm-hmm. and uh, a lady there karaoke Psycho Killer. Yep. And I don't like that song as much anymore because <laughs> she would go, ay, 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 which I know is part of the song, but uh, the way she did it, it was very shrill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was with that person. Like, they were at my table. They were the reason I was there. And I was just like, ugh. ugh. Well, your first, so, your first mistake was going to Honkers. Uh, Honkers is pretty fun. You might like it. Oh, you want to come over oh, to my house to oh, karaoke? I, I, I've been there. I've been there. You've and, been to uh, Honkers? Yeah, it was uh, kind of dumb. It was a dumb time yeah. because there, there, there was a live band playing mm-hmm. and i'll just say band in quotes yeah uh, it was open mic and these people are just playing and like i've never heard a worse drummer in ever like i've never experienced like someone who was just like so completely out of sync with everybody mm-hmm. else and it was like hilarious because it's just like you couldn't even get into it because just suddenly there'd be random snares and snaps and booms and it's like what the hell is this guy doing like he's just behind everyone else or ahead i can't tell um, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's the element I assume uh, hangs out at Honkers and people who really butcher uh, great songs like Psycho Killer. Maybe you just have bad taste. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, no, I like the Talking Heads. I'd say you would like this. I'd say you should check it out. Um, especially like the first half of this, I think is like pretty interesting. And then there's like the visual uh-huh. stuff they start bringing into it. Um, and there's like the costume changes, subtle stuff. Lots of David Byrne. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that guy's got a lot of. Uh, I mean, we we talked about it when we talked about Gimme Shelter. I mean, you seem yeah. to have this idea that uh, Mick Jagger is like underwhelming as a frontman, which is yeah, he stinks. No, not as a frontman, as a lead singer. That okay. big that, difference. N- n- no, <laughs> his his vocal ability. And his frontman ability are different things. He's a good showman. I just think he uh, he sucks as a vocalist. Okay. okay. <laughs> hey, it's keep, okay keep, for keep, you to keep, be wrong. Keep, keep keep digging yourself that hole. <laughs> Whatever. If if Mick Jagger has a problem, he knows where to find me. I I'm sure he's working on his like tenth child or something right now while doing his <laughs> yoga. So he's he's good. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, I think this yeah this was pretty good. It uh, almost lived up to the hype. Some people like absolutely think this is like a masterpiece and whatnot, but I'm not really into like music video things like this. So whatever. Uh, so I after watching this, I was like, what am I going to watch next? And I was thinking about watching. Um, uh, this one Bob Fosse musical, Sweet Charity. But then I realized it was like two and a half hours long, and I was like, yeah. nope. So instead I watched uh, David Byrne's one and only movie that he made called True Stories, which stars mm-hmm. himself as a narrator and also stars some guy named John Goodman. Um, <gasps> and it's about them hanging out in this town called Virgil in Texas, it mm-hmm. is a odd little offbeat piece of like early '90s filmmaking, mm-hmm. and there's like it's pretty plotless. It's just like 
uh, I've heard how people talk about David Byrne is he's sort of this alien. He's like seems like he's like mildly autistic in his persona. Like he just does not seem like nice. regular people. Um, but he's like has like a very uh, specific taste and sensibility about him. And this movie, I guess, reflects the kind of movie he would he'd make. And so he did that. Uh, it doesn't feel like he had anyone telling him what not to do or what to do. Uh, he just made a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I say about this? It's definitely what would not, you say it's about this? It's not for everybody, I don't think. Uh, it's, it's like a total cult movie. Um, I, I wish I could see a better version of it. Like, the only one that's available is, like, a Warner Brothers popped out a DVD, and it's full frame only. So you're mm-hmm. only getting, like, you're getting an idea of what the movie is. The picture's okay. But I don't know. It's an, odd, it's an oddity. I have no idea. I, I couldn't rate it. Like it's one of those. It's one of those types of experiences where you're like, I like elements of this, and I think some people might be like really into this, but I think most people would be kind of like, hmm. And to hmm. rate it would be unfair. <laughs> Sometimes there's just movies like that that I'm just like, I have a hard time putting my finger on where, where I feel about this because it's not perfect. Um, and it would be all about like, hey, are you like really into the Talking Heads? Well, you should 100% watch True Stories because you might not even know if this exists because no one really talks about this movie. Um, and even like John Goodman, aficionado is like yourself, we're unaware of this thing. But uh, I recognize the poster. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I actually, you know what? I feel like it's a poster that was used in other movies. Like you just saw it in movies where people were walking by movie theaters or maybe it was a TV show. I don't know. I recognize the poster. Yeah. It looks like a comedy. It like it has that comedy yeah. thing with a character and kind of like uh, foreshortened perspective, white background. And it's like, well, what's this going to be about? Mm-hmm. But it's like, you'd watch it and be like, huh, this is really deadpan and like <sighs> an odd looking little thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I finally got that, checked off my list of things to watch at some point in my time in my life. Nice. Uh, and then yesterday, Stephen Hawking's mm-hmm. died. Did you watch him die? I did not watch him die. Um, but I was like, oh, I really liked him. I've actually read A mm-hmm. Brief History of Time. And he you also... don't know how to read. He's, he's the subject of an Errol Morris documentary called A Brief History of Time, directed by Errol Morris. And it's part of the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll be watching it, it. We'll be watching it like ten years from now. <laughs> but I was like, "Hey, there's as good a time as any to watch this again." I guess I'll dust it off and pop it in, and which I did. Mm. Uh, have you ever seen this? Heard of it? Do you know what Stephen Hawking is? Do I know what Stephen Hawking is? Yeah, uh, partially. Um, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Okay, or um, read the book. Well, I would say that uh, it's a it's actually a really good book. I mean, it's very much in the mindset of like it's a popular science mm-hmm. book. It's written so that like the most number of people could understand what the hell he's talking about as much as possible. And he's uh, he does an excellent job of explaining big concepts and like thinking about things, uh, and like relating it to people, which is like uh, mm-hmm. a, a really necessary thing. I think uh, that. Uh, I'm glad that there are scientists that try to do that. Uh, he's yeah. part of that lineage of people like Carl Sagan, uh, who thought the education of people was just as important as the actual research itself, because it like helps justify, I guess, doing all this stuff, or at least places it inside of like 
the world conversation because sometimes like I remember watching a documentary years ago about like kind of like the the craziness of the fact that so many people in like the U.S. don't believe in evolution and Mm -hmm. one of the problems uh, that the documentary kind of talks about is the fact that like so many scientists who are involved in like evolutionary biology are like Mm -hmm. they're they're they come off as arrogant because they're like what the fuck are you talking like they're they just think that you're so stupid if you don't yeah. believe, if you don't believe what they're telling you cuz to them it's like well no it's obvious like i've been researching this my whole life like there's no other mm-hmm. possible like we're like it's a robust theory sure but like this is like all what we have based on the evidence of, 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 uh, available to us and sure. like the thing is like well these guys don't know how to talk about it and like so for a lot of people it's like well the, the when you're talking about like the communication of information to people um it's really key to like I mean, whatever. What cause like, how do you explain like cosmic, like theoretical physics to people and be mm-hmm. like, why does this matter to my day to day life? It's like, well, that's a really good question, <laughs> but it's like stuff that like, yeah, if you start thinking about things, you go, yeah, that doesn't make sense, or there's no explanation for it. It just is, and it's just about that uh, oh. pursuit. And so this documentary, Daryl Morris uh, documentary, it kind of mixes uh, a little bit of the book, A Brief History of Time, with a biography of. Uh, Stephen Hawking's life and just lays out like his early years where he was just, you know, uh, a normal, brilliant mind living in a family of eccentrics uh, way ahead of his peers and mm-hmm. just like just anecdotes of the people who like know him and uh, just leading to the when his ALS kicked in and uh, just like nice. that, the whole like, process of him, like his body falling apart and like what he had to do to adapt to his new mm-hmm. circumstances and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really amazing story that this guy who was only supposed to live like two years after his diagnosis wound up living till he was 76 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and still was able to like produce, uh, a, a, a big body of work that's so influential. And like, I don't know, it seems like no one has anything bad to say about Stephen Hawking. Like there's no one on Twitter saying, Oh, fuck that guy. He's a fake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just like, it, there's like no, nothing you could say about him and people can be like, Hey, he was on the Simpsons. Even if you don't really know what he did or anything like that, he's just like pop culture icon. Um, and like mm-hmm. one that's like well-earned, like there's like, I don't know how many people you can point to, uh, in this day and age that like have sort of this like sheen <laughs> of like, Oh, other than us. Other, oh, other than us, but no one knows who yeah. we are yet. Mm-hmm. One day. Um, interesting. If true. Yeah. <laughs> All of this that you said. I'll have to look into this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, are you going to watch that theory of everything now? Well, I kind of forgot about it until I was watching this again and they're touching upon his like college years. And I went, oh, yeah, that theory of everything movie that James Marsh mm-hmm. directed. And like, I actually like James Marsh as a director. Uh, his like, movie like Man on Wire and stuff like that and mm-hmm. Wisconsin Death Trip. Those are like amazing documentaries. I uh, directed that one episode of that uh, Red Riding trilogy. Um, and some other film thing. But yeah, no, but I've heard like mixed things about that theory of everything. I thought it was all right. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it like, I think like, I thought they dumbed it down too much and to the, not, not in the sense where it's like what you're saying. It's like, well, obviously, you know, common folk aren't going to like understand astrophysics stuff because you wouldn't. But I thought they like downplayed it even more than that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I was like, I, they're really downplaying the science. But like, I think that's what should come through. And then they really romanticize things where apparently it's what really happened. But at the same time, you're like, man, this is this is crafted where it's like while he's getting ALS, uh, his wife is like having an affair in a tent and it's like showing at the same time. And you're like, oh, no. 
so it's like I said, like apparently that's what, what happened. But when I was watching, I was like, mm, I'd rather just see like. Was it like when he's like falling down the steps, or is it like later it on? Was, I think it was like he passed out like uh, in a lecture hall or something like that. Yeah. And then it was like, and then it cuts to his wife like in a tent having an affair. Well, I do believe in yeah in the documentary they don't present that aspect because they actually are talking yeah. to his wife, and I'm like. Maybe they're like that. I doesn't... think it was because I think he remarried, right? No, I think like it's or like, is it the same? I can't remember. Same See, lady. I think this is how how little I remember about this, and it was like that's what I meant. Like I was like when I watched it, all I could think was I want more of just Stephen Hawking and less about the romantic relationships that he was involved in. Right. I guess that's what the movie is supposed to be about. Yeah. But I just want I wanted more of the science, I guess. So right. maybe yeah. I'm the nerd. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, uh, if you haven't read it, uh, Brief History of Time is actually quite a readable book, and like it's it presents the material in a very readable way, and uh, be worth your time because it's like it, it'll make mm-hmm. the, mater- the material interesting, and you don't have to like know the science. It'll be explained like this is why you should explain it in plain terms. So it's really good. Um, there's another really good book <laughs> that goes into M theory, uh, the Elegant Universe, which is also quite good by Brian Greene. Which is also interesting if true. Very neat if you're into that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, uh, I've watched 45 minutes of its two-hour runtime, and that is the Academy Award Best Documentary winner, Icarus, which mm. I knew absolutely really nothing about uh, other than I saw that it won. It seemed like people weren't really predicting it to win because uh, mm-hmm. they didn't know what it was because no one knows about documentaries. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's on Netflix, and uh, I found – what drove me to it was uh, listening to uh, one of my wrestling podcasts, and they're, <gasps> they're going to be reviewing it this week. And when they're talking about well, it's about the Russian doping scandal, I went, "Oh yeah," because nothing uh, floats my boat more than like uh, steroid talk and finding cheaters and scumbags, because, hot dudes. Well, <laughs> actually, no, they're like all bicycle bicyclists are hot. They're like so lean and mean. Yeah, yeah. but then you look at old Lance. Big, big old Lance. Yeah, but it was because he only had one nut. Yeah, he was the fucking jacked. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. It, the, it, the 45 minutes I've been into, it's good. Uh, documentaries are kind of a weird thing. Like, how do you rate documentaries other than like how successful they convey information or like whatever? Just rate it. Yeah, but I'm not done. Who knows where it's going to go? I'm at the point though where it's like it starts off. Where it's kind of like the um, Michael Moore sort of thing, where they pl- like the the documentarian has placed himself as his subject, uh, but he's like kind of doing the um, uh, what's his name piece of shit super super size me guy, Morgan Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock. Where, he, where he's putting himself through uh, basically how do you dodge testing. Uh, yeah. So he's like going to find out. Like I'm going to do all the stuff. I'm going to find the people who are going to help me do it. And he's documenting the whole process. So it's not like nothing like afterwards mm-hmm. go. What I wasn't doping. See, I was doing a documentary. So he's like crossing the uh, T's, dotting the I's, uh, mm-hmm. working with like the guy whose job it is to catch like cheaters. And the fact that he just like kind of laughs about it and says, "Yeah, no, everyone's cheating." Like he just like doesn't even like blink. He's just like, "No." He was also on a uh, the one uh, thirty for thirty documentary about uh, Michael Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, and like that whole thing. And oh, what's his name? His rival in the states. How that fucking guy is just dirty as hell. It's like they just haven't been caught yet. That's basically what mm-hmm. it boils down to. All these dudes and ladies, they're always like, "I've never done it in my life. I've I've been tested hundred fifty times. I've never had a positive." And it's like that doesn't mean anything at all yeah um because usually it's like that difference of like i mean there's like a certain level of like 
player that can't be understated. Like you have to be really good to become the best. And that, that like augmentation can make a big difference. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's one thing to be like this, but when you're like the winningest person around and you just keep winning, you, mm-hmm. you have to go, no, there's something there. And they're just not looking closely enough. Some people think I'm the best. Some, some do. And what, what are you using to enhance your performance? Are you getting those injections in your ass? Uh, they don't go in the ass. They go in the front door. Oh, in the, in the upper thigh. Close. Well, it leaves lots of bruises. Closer. <laughs> you don't want to bruise that up. Closer. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, so yeah, I'm like 45 minutes to it, and it seems to be setting up with like the one of the guys he's like consulting with um, is. Uh, kind of like the head of the Russian scandal that rocked uh, the world three years ago and has since been yeah. like undone and been mm-hmm. ignored saying, ah, oh, that's not really evidence of anything. And it's like, what the fuck do you mean it's not evidence of anything? Like, what's the point of testing? Yeah. Anyways, um, RJ has sent me the vomit pile. And man, I, I don't even know what, what I'm looking at here. It's the crime scene. After the after the after the body, it's like an, a man whose brain was oatmeal has been that, shot, and then mm-hmm. they've taken him away, and the, but the, no one's like hosed off the uh, the corner yet. Something it's got else. some pretty heavy drag, hey? Yeah, like uh, there there's a lot of runoff. <laughs> that you got to remember, that's like twelve hours old. That thing, Whew. and it's still stained the concrete. <laughs> well, one day a real rain will come and wash people like uh-huh. you away. Eh, better men have tried. Well, you got any news for us, RJ? Uh, Nintendo announced that Super Smash Bros. is coming to the Switch. That's pretty cool. Wow. Why Why does that matter? Because I always tell Jared to buy me a Nintendo Switch, and he always says, buy it yourself, you chump. Yeah. But uh, when that game comes out, I'll get one. Get your dad to buy you one. Just like he doesn't the, do that. Just, just like the old days. Uh uh, no, I have no news. You don't have news, do you? Mm, no, I, I don't know. Things are happening in the world, but some of it was just like same old shit. It's all the same. Man. There's always some movie being announced, some like mm-hmm. thing about like how Zack Snyder's Justice League is actually maybe really a good movie, but no one wants you to know about it. The Snyder Cut? Yeah. Man, that, that petition's going strong. Yeah. Toys R Us is closing in the States. Not in Canada? Not yet. Oh, and, and, and they're always, like, talking about some, like, fucking, like, new Netflix project always being announced. It seems like it's constant. Always didn't they? Netflix. Yeah. Didn't they say there's going to be, like, 700 new ones? Oh, my God. Well, they're yeah. being, I'm looking forward to the good ones, I guess. If. If. Well, time to talk about movie. After the break, um, we're going to play poker. And and someone's going to get fleeced.
Here's the gorgeous, tantalizing Lady Eve. Now, watch her go into action. She has her eye on this handsome, wealthy, but terribly naive and inexperienced young man who hasn't seen a white woman for a year. Now, every woman has her eyes on him. Big women, the female wrestler type, little women, but with big claws, and that smoldering, simmering, exotic type. But only Lady Eve knows how to get him. The Lady Eve, glamorous creation of Preston Sturgis, who gave you the hilarious Great McGinty, the deft comedy of Christmas in July. Now, meet Barbara Stanwyck, his very, very vexy Lady Eve. Bewitching, bewildering, and very bothering to Henry Fonda, a modern Adam. Thank you. That's the same dame. She looks the same, she walks the same, and she's tossing you just like she'd done the last time. She doesn't talk the same. Anybody can put on an act. Do speak a point of your color flu to be shifting. Guess who I am. Do you know that I find your son very handsome? That's the same dame. I can tell by the I'll way I'll take she... over from here, Mr. Murgatroyd. You and who else? I said I'll take over from here, here, Ambrose. Ambrose? I know me well. Will you? Get in. <laughs> Don't do that. How? <laughs> And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about The Lady Eve from 1941, directed by Preston Sturgis. And one of this movie's taglines, when you deal a fast shuffle, love is in the cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the synopsis. It's no accident when wealthy Charles falls for Jean. Jean is a con artist with her sights set on Charles's fortune. Matters complicate when Jean starts falling for her mark. When Charles suspects Jean is a gold digger, he dumps her. Jean, fixated on revenge and still pining for the millionaire, devises a plan to get back in Charles's life. With love and payback on her mind, she reintroduces herself to Charles, this time as an aristocrat named Lady Eve Sidwich. So that's that's it. <laughs> so yeah, that's the whole movie. That's the movie uh, in a nutshell. Uh, so this is a rewatch for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one goes way back to the old library days of renting movies on Nerd. the old the old tape. Uh, this I think originally was put out by Paramount or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this movie's kind of lingered on DVD only. There's no uh, HD upgrade or anything like that. So it's an old Balls DVD. And I think I actually wound up buying it not even that long ago. Because for me, I think this movie is pretty fucking awesome. I've always oh, been... Oh, I dared. I've always loved this movie. Um, and so I've always... But of course, like I'm always like, ooh, trepidatious about talking about these things before mm-hmm. we watch the movie. Because RJ will go into it being like, oh, this is a Jarrett pick. And uh, I, I don't want to set... Mm. Uh, uh, we all know how bad those are. We don't want to set uh, anything up too much for RJ's disappointment. So I try to... Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to, from now on, keep those things under my hat as much as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I, I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, and for, I guess, a couple of reasons. Number one, the dialogue, 
is mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, I think the script for this movie is just like amazing. I uh, was I was when I watched it this time, I actually turned on the subtitles because sometimes like with these like uh, 30s, 40s movies, like the dialogue is like not the most well recorded, and it's like this mm-hmm. kind of like high pitch warbleness to it. That's just like a limitation of the technology of the time. So, and particularly when you have all your characters talking in this sort of like transcontinental accent that was like of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. You can, lines can fly by really too too quick, and then you're just like, what what did they say? And like mm-hmm. you have to go back, and especially when they they're making all, making with all these innuendos, you want to make sure that you catch them all. So you're, so sometimes reading along can help, and you go, man, this is so well done. Um, right. But yeah, so. Uh, so this was like probably the third time I've seen this movie in my time. Uh, and yeah, I like, it holds up so well for me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can go on about this movie quite a bit. I'm actually curious cause I can just respond to your thoughts, RJ. What did you think mm-hmm. of the lady Eve? Well, I'm actually trying to think back now to the last Jarrett pick we had that, uh, didn't bode well for us. I mean, there's the obvious Jarrett picks like Salo and the night Porter and the element of crime, which are just embarrassingly bad Jarrett picks. Well, okay. Salo is not, is <laughs> uh, let's, let's not go too far here. Salo is not a Jarrett pick. Um, but I definitely would have said at the time that like night Porter totally, Oh man, I remember that movie so good. Cause I would have probably yeah. watched it around the same time as lady Eve, um, mm-hmm. the bank dick, um, and like Element of Crime would be movies that I was like, I remember being quite high on, or even like Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie from last week would be. I was just, yeah, yeah. I was going to say Discreet Charm or uh, Gimme Shelter or uh, all sorts of those Jared picks that no one likes. Um, <laughs> uh, no, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't even know. Maybe you mentioned you had seen this before mm-hmm. i didn't remember uh so on uh, whatever day i watched this i looked it up and i just read the letterbox synopsis and you know what i said mm. hey that's an andy pick oh i said that sounds like an andy flick so uh, i brought it up to her i was like hey do you want to watch this criterion with me she's like what's it about and i read it to her and she's like "Ooh, fun and i was like nice so we threw this bad boy on uh, we were hanging, we were watching, uh, what did we think of this movie, Jarrett? Um, we both had a lot of fun with this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both liked it quite a bit. Uh, Andrea thought it was really good, so I'm really, I'm happy that I watched it with her. Uh, I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, well, cause you were, you were real down on, uh, Preston Sturgis's name. <laughs> Well, he just sounded like such a chump, uh, like such an old bastard. Um, but actually, we liked it so much, we were going to, I was going to watch another Preston Sturgis movie this week because I was like, hey, let's watch another one. And I saw that Sullivan's Travels was his other, his, his number one most mm-hmm. uh, popular movie. Yep. And then I was like, wait a minute. So mm-hmm. I went to Criterion page yeah. and I popped it up and I, I realized it's in like 10 weeks from now. Yes. So uh, I said that to old Andy girl. I was like, we better just hold off for a while because this guy's got that other one coming up pretty soon. And that movie is kind of like the uh, uh, the biggest influence on Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Nice. That's yeah, a, well, actually, I, that whole movie is like a big Preston Sturgis love Hobos letter. Who Fall In Love? Uh, kind, what it sounded like. kind of. We'll get there. It's about, we'll a, get... It's about a rich guy who who decides I'm going to live like a common man and be a bow and mm. living living on the rails. Uh, undercover boss. Yeah, gotcha. We'll get there. But uh, no, um, we both actually really like this movie. Um, 
I thought it would had some genuinely funny parts. Uh, it's like a rom com, and mm-hmm. it seemed even though this movie's like eighty fucking years old, uh, it seemed really fresh. Like a lot of the stuff that they were playing, like the the jokes or the re- uh, recurring like gimp like shtick stuff that was happening yeah. or like like any of the recurring jokes i was like this seems fresh even well, so even what, though it's like an old movie yeah well, you'd slot this under a screwball comedy yeah so like what i mean by that is like there's one sequence where um at the party dude keeps getting spilt on his fancy clothes all the time yeah and it happens like four like three four times yeah and you're like oh that's fun or uh one scene that was really good or really well done was um when they're switching the cards the card sharks between like uh the lady and uh her so-called dad yeah the colonel the colonel when they like keep switching the cards to like a a hot hand to like a cold one uh that one is really good and no, yeah, like you said, the dialogue is good. Um, the comedy is good. Uh, there was a lot of stuff I liked about this movie. Um, I, I'm going to get into that problem where uh, with many comedies, I just, it's like, it's hard to talk about stuff where you're in comedy for me without just being like, oh, though, like just repeating the jokes. But um, I thought this movie apart from the comedy stuff, I thought it had some really interesting filmmaking. Like there were some pretty unique shots. Like, uh, when the lady was looking in her, um, mm. little compact makeup kit and yeah. that's the shot for a while. I thought that was really good. Yep. Um, I thought, uh, what was it? Um, some of the filmmaking stuff is really good. Like when they first meet eyes with each other, like the music cuts out and there's like no sound. I was like, Oh, that's nice. I was like, that's a, that's a good way to show that. They're in the moment. Um, I think they have fairly decent chemistry in this, apart from uh, the fact that, what's his name? Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda. Uh, I didn't even say this. Andrea dropped this one. Uh, she had what I had with that other old bastard that one time. I was like, does he have like a mental disability? A she was like, yeah, she's like, is he slow? And I was like, I don't know. I, I was like, I've only ever seen him in Westerns. And I, I, I guess it's less noticeable there because it's that slow cadence of talking or like something like that. She's like, I think he's slow. And then later in the movie, you're like, oh, he is slow. But uh, there's some cool stuff in here, too, where. I mean, if you wanted to dig deeper, I I don't think like this isn't one of the reasons I liked it. But you're like, if you wanted to dig deeper, you could be like, oh, he like loves snakes. That's why he's falling for this stuff, because he's like into snakes and this lady's a snake and she's tricking him. And it's a metaphor and it's Eve and it's a metaphor. And it's like, oh, and also like it's the Superman disguise and that tricks people and stuff like that. But uh there was a lot of stuff that I thought was funny. Like there's a lot of really funny lines in this movie for me. Like this one, I don't think is even a joke, but he's like, who's that funny looking dink. And I thought that was really funny. Uh, and then when he takes her back to the room, he's like, you want to come in and see Emma? And uh, she goes, Oh, that's a new one because she thinks he's talking about his dick. And I was like, nice, sweet move. Um, I think, uh, the lady is very, charming and charismatic even though she's rocking a mullet for about 80 percent of this movie she's rocking a pretty heavy mullet which uh for 1941 i was like "Ooh, girl she (laughs) is roll it back uh 
Uh, I'm just looking at some of my other notes. Uh, there is uh, one wrote note. I just said body humor. Uh, this movie has a lot of body humor, I think. I wrote Hitler A because I guess there was a Hitler joke. Oh, yeah, because there's the bit um, where uh, Muggsy puts on the uh, the thing and he starts talking in German. Who am I? <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, one note that I actually almost forgot what it meant. I said, what a beautiful fatty. And uh, that's talking about uh, the guy's dad when he's walking oh, down those stairs yeah. and he's clanging and he wants the food. I was like, what a beautiful fatty. And he's got one of those amazing uh, – Voices. Uh, the, oh, the, yeah. The 1930s voice that talks like this. And he's like, what do you yeah. mean by that? And it's just like, fuck, why, why yeah. do people not talk about that? I'm like, oh, people probably live a lot better now. <laughs> they're not like, they're not damaging themselves. Damaging. Like, they're not getting like industrial things where it's like, yeah, this guy didn't start out as an actor. He was like uh, a longshoreman and he got hit in the throat yeah. with a, like a fucking hook. And now he's like, then someone told him you should be an actor. <laughs> and now he acts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's Eugene yeah, he, Pallet. He was cool. Yeah. That beautiful fatty. And Hor- then there's two. Horace. Horace Pike. Horace. Nice. I love it. Uh, there was two other things that I really liked. Um, number one is possibly my favorite comedic thing is uh, the double take. Uh, this movie has lots of double takes, mm-hmm. especially during like the dinner scene where there's people double taking left and right. Uh, I love that shit. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of my fa- mo- like just my absolute favorite uh, c- comedic gestures i guess uh and then uh my last note is that horse that horse oh, scene yeah. is amazing mm-hmm. that's my timestamp for the movie is an hour and 15 because that's where the horse scene is and i was just we were watching we're like was this was this planned <laughs> was this horse just doing that and the guy was like he's like roll go with it go with it it's fucking hilarious i don't know time will tell I won't tell. But uh, no, uh, we really like this movie. I thought it was good. That's I'm glad you didn't say anything about it because mm-hmm. I would have went in judging it. And yeah. you. You had been watching with arms crossed across the chest and going giving it the stink eye. Yeah, wanting it to fail like when you went to Shape of Water that one time. Oh. Just wanting it to fail. We still have to talk about that movie, huh? Anyways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad those are all things I agree with. Uh, the movie starts off with uh, it's like, oh, is this an animated picture? Because we get this snake. Uh, yeah. That the snake also has arms mm-hmm. <laughs> and like little the the cartoon molester gloves, which are of course yeah. because it's a cartoon and from the 30s or 40s, so it's you have to have gloves. Um, yep. There's the great like bit where like it's uh, Henry Fonda. He's leaving the island. And uh, he's just giving all this big, big speech about like, because he seems like such a dignified, good person. So he has to thank everybody in this traditional mm-hmm. way. And this is when we're introduced to like Muggsy, his like bodyguard. And like we see this exchange between him and this island girl. And he's just like, oh, yeah. So, so long, Lula. I'll send you a postcard. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. like her like detached, dead face. And his like, mm, well. I guess this, this is the end of the road. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll send you a postcard. We'll never uh, see you again. <laughs> you, you, were yep. a, you were good for the time. Now we're moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, Just like all good relationships. Yep. So, yeah, then we get to the boat. And it pretty much the first hour takes place all on that uh, yacht, boat, cruise ship thing. Yeah. Uh, where everyone is circled around because this man uh, – was he the the Yale Yale Pale Ale? Is that what it how it goes? What? Yeah, the, uh, you you mean Pike's Ale? Pike's Ale, but it's like from Yale, and it's a pale ale. The ale that won for Yale is yeah. that what you're referring y- to? Yes, 
That's how, mm. that, how that all unpacks. Suspicious. No. They don't yeah. actually state what type of ale it is, but is, is it not a pale ale? You're the alcoholic. Uh, he, I mean, he, he does go on a, a rant about uh, yeah. ales versus lagers and yes. beers, I believe. That, about, so there is something in there. I was so drunk, I couldn't even open my eyes, so I don't know what they were saying. Oh, you forgot to mention that bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, there's the great bit. Like, I, so, like, I think uh, one of the great performances in this movie is by uh, Charles Coburn, who plays uh, Colonel Harrington. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's wicked. Yeah, he is uh, really good. Like he uh, delivers all his lines very uh, deliciously. He just like he's so Creepy. into the he he's so into the role, and uh, you totally buy him. And he's so he's smart, and he's yeah. ahead of the curve. And you never yeah. feel like it's a contrivance that he's like so ahead of the curve. He's like got the all the dialogue down. He delivers it in this like completely straight there's no like wink yeah. at the camera at all it's just him saying things like let us be crooked but never vulgar and just like stuff like that you're like that's like that completely defines this character and the whole like uh the game they're running uh which is to fleece this poor sap by throwing this uh this attractive young floozy his way who will mm-hmm. like soften him up so they can uh and they're like not going to steal money from him they're going to win it legitimately win it. uh by cheating at poker so, yep. so, and he'll like and make you butter him up enough that he's like, th- th- this will this will play out great. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a one line here. Uh, Are snakes necessary? I wrote that down too. I thought that was really funny. That's the <laughs> title of the book, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the book that he's reading at the um, in the in the open kind of restaurant uh, where we get yes we get yeah. the Barbara Stanwyck play by play, which is like so good. Like mm-hmm. when you watch rom coms now, and you'd have this like type of character. Uh, this scene the would Anne Hathaway. The Anne Hathaway. Oh, I don't know what that means, but okay. Anyways, keep going. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, like this is just like so well done. It's, it holds up really well. Uh, yeah, most, it does. most modern movies could probably serve to like rip this off because uh, mm-hmm. it's really well done. Uh, it's got a good understanding of the characters it's got the right balance of like cruel but it's coming from a character who is like cruel and like very like breaks down scenes to like know what people's weaknesses and knows what to do like it makes total sense for this character to be doing it and they actually do a scene that like is really well done Yep. Uh, yeah. So then we just get to watch the whole like putting down that hustle, like her, like because talking about how all these women are like trying all sorts of things, like dropping their like nap <laughs> napkins. She's like, oh come on, she's dropping Show some it. Skin. Oh look at this. Oh trying to like catch those eyes. Yeah, we know each other, don't we? Oh no, you don't. And just doing all that. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes on by, the whole uh, gimmick of uh, Henry Fonda just falling constantly in this movie. Yeah. And uh, just like her, just smooth talking herself right into like, hey, yeah, you should come down to my bedroom and uh, yeah. help me get a new pair of shoes. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like so well done. It doesn't bring attention to itself. And it's just so charming. Charming mm-hmm. as fuck. And, yeah, uh, you're yeah. better than that. But yeah, no. And there's this like, yeah, the, the, the innuendo. The movie actually like Barbara Stanwyck and like Henry Fonda, like you really do feel like you're like being seduced along with fonda like like everything is about like plays along with it where you're like wow this actually feels legitimate and not just like the movie's telling me that this is sexy mm-hmm. like it's like like there's like, i know where i'm going yeah to the bathroom yeah no it uh that's what i was saying like they have mm-hmm. good chemistry and um she, she's she's very charming and she's very believable henry fonda is a little bit dumb but like it's believable dumb kind of like i think that's one thing too that i think a lot of people could 
take gripe with that where it's just like oh this guy's like so stupid how could he fall for like these things like near the end like the uh the bait and switch where that she does with the lady eve thing not the bait and switch but like where she doubles up on it yeah where you could be like well how dumb is this guy but <laughs> but in the course but of the movie you're like into, oh what's well, built yeah. into the movie because he just talks it's about it she's so good she looks just like her that it can't be her yeah that's like a big joke of the movie it's like it's fine it's a, it's a fucking screwball comedy it's not a fucking heady science fiction movie where it's like super exactly. serious right it's a goddamn yeah. comedy anyway so yeah uh i love uh mugsy uh i think he's described as a funny looking gink uh oh uh, i thought it was dink it, uh it's gink okay uh, yeah so yeah mugsy he's great he's like mm-hmm. every like he's that that guy the bruiser from like Brooklyn or something like that or Queens yeah um, he's the tough guy tough guy yep I wrote a I have a question here for you RJ hey RJ what? how do you feel about perfume uh, I'm not I'm not much a fan mm-hmm. uh, my my woman doesn't wear perfume is that she because a, you make her not wear perfume she has a natural musk it's kind of like um, you know the water after you cook hot dogs Yes, I, I. Well, I'm more familiar with the smell of like hot dog breath. Okay, it's close to that, like that yeah. but it it is intoxicating. So, uh, no, I I was never much a perfume dude. Yeah, but uh, you know, are, are factor- your are your uh, parents perfumers? No, 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 no. Okay. I do have cologne that I uh, in times of special collation collations wow. special collations <laughs> have another I, one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. I had a long day. I uh, I splashed some of that on, but uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, my uh, not a huge perfume guy. Although olfactory cues are uh, the ones that you have most memories for, so there's something to that, I guess. Yeah, uh, well, that sounds like some of that fake science I've been reading about online. I think that one's true, actually, but I I yeah. couldn't don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe anything you say about science. So, so as far as my experience with the the old perfumes, uh, yeah, my my parents are both like big time like users. Uh, so I'm like, I kind of grew up around that, and like, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, oh, that's what people do. But like, and then like, my parents would be like, oh, here's some cologne for Christmas. You should use this, and just just like that's what you should do as a person. And I was like. I don't know. This stuff like d- d- stinks. And uh yeah, ever since like I've never like I've I live in a house now where no one uses that shit and uh yeah, when I'm like at work and uh students come by and they're just like fucking soaking in this, it just <laughs> burns my nose and the back of my mouth and I'm like I've heard some people actually have allergies to this stuff. My sister does. Oh. So my I one sister does. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not sure if it's allergy or just like Oh, like this is bothering everybody. It's making my eyes water. Like, please go away. So anyway, that's like a beat in this movie where it's like, oh, your perfume's intoxicating, and like it's like being like won over by it. And I'm like, hmm, perfume, huh? I don't think it's, it's an a- aphrodisiac, Jared. Yeah. You wouldn't know about that stuff. I guess not. you're not it's a like, sexual entity yeah. like the rest of us. Well, I, I know all about that panther sweat. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then yeah, we get the big uh, the big seduction, uh, the big like where's the movie poster? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's like fantastic. It's so well yep. done. Uh, there's like her describing like her like perfect man and how she'd like things to happen. And she's like, I just want him to take me by surprise. <laughs> to which uh, Henry Fonda responds like a burglar, and I'm just like, yeah. Or a rapist, <laughs> like it's just like ah uh, good, but yeah, like I think that's like so well done. Uh, it's like totally, I don't know, it, when you have like two really good performers that like are have a convincing like uh, repertoire and chemistry, it makes such a world of difference. Um, mm-hmm. And nowadays, you'd have I don't fucking know Seth Rogen and Mina Kunis and, trying to do yeah. this same shit, and you'd just be like, <sighs> no one cares. Just get to the next scene, get to the comedy, get to the dick jokes. Come on. Mm-hmm. I'll have you know that they're well-respected act- actors. Yeah, but you know you know what I'm saying. I know kind of what you're saying. There's That's two, what, yeah. like what I said, where I was like, this movie's 80 years old, but somehow it's fresh. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, so and as you mentioned, uh, the poker game is awesome. Like, it is so much, so much fun to watch. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, it's done subtly. And like, cause they don't really, there's no musical cues of like, there's nothing like that. It's just like yeah. the information is just presented. You get the shots of the close-ups of the hands as they escalate mm-hmm. and get better and better. And then you get like the mm-hmm. dynamic of them, like trying to like cheat and out cheat one another. And you get that interplay. It's really good. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, I love watching good poker games and movies in the, the con movies. It's a, the con, the con. It's a, one of my favorite little sub genres. Uh, mm-hmm. man, I wrote a note here. You'd have to be such a turd to not love this movie. Um, and then <laughs> a turd, eh? Well, to, I'm like, sure we're gonna have oh, some fans email oh, in after that one. No, we got some. I'm talking about like people who are like. Oh, we'll get to the haters. Oh uh, God. man. So yeah, what happens is uh, Muggsy gets to the bottom of this uh, flim flammery. It's like no one likes anybody this much. What's going on here? Because uh, that's Muggsy's job. And talks to the captain. He's got a, a portfolio of known uh, card hustlers and uh, mm-hmm. fleecers like of the such. And uh, yeah, sure enough, there's a photo of um, old Barbara Stanwyck and the Colonel uh, mm-hmm. and the third guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're up to no good. Henry Fonda's like real pissed off about this, even though at this point. Uh, Gene is actually really starting to fall for this guy, this <gasps> this 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 sweet kind of uh, ignorant man who's with mm-hmm. lots with lots of money, who also seems very nice. Uh, and so he like says like, "Well, I kind of knew it was all along, and I was just using you." And then she's the, so they they leave on bad terms, but that's not good enough for Gene. She decides I'm gonna fucking make this guy pay, and so uh, she recasts herself as uh, this Eve lady, uh, and she teams up with uh, uh, actor Eric Bloor, uh, playing here Sir Alfred Mc. Glennon Keith. Uh, you might remember Eric Bloor. He was in those uh, Stair Rogers movies we watched. Uh, was that, he? Yeah, he's like the schemey guy. He gets all the good bits. I don't, he's maybe more in... Because um, you only Did you only watch Swing Time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess... I think he's... No, he's he's in both of those. He's like the... He's like a Stair's like right-hand man in those movies. Like, he's just like... Oh, the, the drunk guy. Yeah, and he's like... Yeah, he's he, awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. And, he's, and that's Eric Bloor. Just uh, dressed up in a top pad and a monocle. Nice. Um, but yeah, so he's he's good. He's been consistent. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so we get the setup of just like, yeah, Lady Eve arrives. We get introduced to uh, 
Henry Fonda's dad here, Eugene Pell, old Horace, stomping around the house with his many phones, mm-hmm. uh, doing his business, looking at newspapers and whatnot, being inconvenienced. Uh, and then we get, yeah, the, we get like the big swindle now, which is a big soiree and uh, tripping over the sofa, which I think is like a very, actually works out really well in this movie because mm-hmm. there's like the line that a Horace says like, that, that couch has been there for 20 years and no one's <laughs> ever tripped over it before, which is like really good. It's just like, it sets up, because it, it's funny first seeing him fall, I guess, like the physical guffaw. Yeah. But then you're like, you get the payoff of like, his dad's just like complete disappointment with him. And mm-hmm. he's like, what's wrong with this guy? He goes and studies <laughs> snakes. He doesn't like have any interest in the business. He's, he's what, what's mm-hmm. wrong with him? He's funny in the head. Uh, yeah, and then I also wrote Hitler jokes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's uh, well placed, it's comedic, and mm-hmm. uh, you know everyone likes it. Yep. Uh, then we get another uh, great Muggsy line that also plays, I guess, into those uh, that's that those themes that you were referencing uh, about this movie, where he's like the same. It's that same rib on the boat, and I was like the same rib, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Adam's rib, woman. Ah uh, yeah, mm-hmm. how alliterative. Um, yeah. So anyway, see? so there's little bits and pieces, but they don't like really mean a whole heck of a lot. You never see a snake ever again in this movie. No. Uh, other than like when you, you uh, meet once you, at the you, dinner party. Yeah, you meet Emma at the on the boat, and that's like yeah. pretty well it. It's not like really a thing. It's not like uh, watching like bringing up baby with uh, your favorite Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, yeah. which is like got a giant uh, tiger like r- like throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie where it actually is like a thing. Uh, this is like a minor version of that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we get the whole second seduction uh, and just like how effortless like uh, Barbara Stanwyck just like turns it on and wins him over yet again. They she gets him mm-hmm. to propose within like two weeks. We get the horse scene you already talked about, which is like <laughs> so well played. And you're like, how the hell did they wing this? But horses yep. are smart and they're capable of. Great I know things. horses are smart. Yeah. I, I was just wondering. I was like, I wonder if they uh, they just trained like it, it was intentional, and they're like, we know this is really funny, or if they but were it, just doing the scene, and the horse is like, hey, hey. Well, it plays <laughs> really well because like because when she's talking about like the thing that like she'll like be there, and the horse will be kind of tussling in her hair, and then Henry Fonda will come uh, over, and then she's like, oh, sorry, I thought that was the horse, haha. <laughs> but then the horse yeah. does eventually come, and it starts like getting in there. Okay. Yeah. I, I it's just yeah. I don't. Know. It's, cl- it's good. It's classic, it's good. classic filmmaking, RJ. Classic. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the revenge. We get like the big, mm-hmm. the big play of after they get married and she's won him over and she's like, I've had sex with other men. And it really, uh-huh. really fucks off old Henry Fonda. He, uh, he, he would not hold up in this day and age. That seems really funny though. She, cause yeah. she's like the names of the, all these men. Yeah. Cause she's like, well, that was like Hubert. And he was like, Hubert. Yeah. He's like, well, he was, uh, Hubert's brother. <laughs> and it's like, Hubert is like, how do you know them? And he's like, well, they were friends with John. Yeah. And it, it's like, it keeps building and building. You're like, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, uh, is that the bit that's like all of Tannhauser or does that come later? There's like what a do you bit. Mean, where, Tannhauser. That's the piece of music by, uh, old Wagner. Of, uh, oh come on, nerd! Tom no one Hauser. knows Wagner. Oh no, it's so good that that piece of music. Whenever it shows up, uh, I can't remember. Yeah, you you'd know it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, then the movie like it ends up with a divorce, and it's like because haha, I think I got what I wanted out of this guy. But then it's like no, she still really likes him a lot. And yeah. uh, they're just talking about like so she's back with her old con man, and they're like, come on, we can make some serious money here. And uh, but love conquers all. And things get even more ridiculous as uh, we're not exactly sure where uh, Charles like realizes that it's 
always been the same person, but like he's yeah, I don't know. It's comedy. It's it's good, and it's like I don't know. It's consistent with that character of him being, yeah. as uh, your girlfriend noted, a little slow. A little slow. A little, a little slow. slow. This guy. He's got that Cary Grant thing. Mm-hmm. That extra chromosome somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Half a chrome. Half a chrome. Yeah. But yeah, no man. I I think this movie is awesome. Uh, I do too. Yeah. It's good. It's uh, it's refreshing and it's light and it's fun and it's warm, and you don't feel dumb watching it. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you're getting something out of it. Yep. But you know what? There's some people, some real turds that uh, uh-huh. would think otherwise. Lay it <laughs> so, on me, dog. So who hates this movie? Whose opinions are we going to lambast here? Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Bajarno. He just watched this like uh, four days ago. And he gave it one star. This was one of the most unpleasant viewing experiences in my entire life. I I hated the nonsensical plot. I hated the characters, both their supposed, in brackets, stupid motivations, but also just as people. The last gag involves Stanwyck's character exposing Fonda's as a sexist brute victim of patriarchy. Come on. I was bored. I was tired. Every time Fonda fell, I wanted to turn it off. The only redeeming moment was the one uh, card game at the beginning, which burns me to considering I was expecting more of them, and I actually thought I would like this after it happened. Um, You're digging too deep when you're talking about the fucking patriarchy. Come on. Also, this movie has excellent body humor. I really believe this guy was falling over and getting apples mm-hmm. dropped on his head. And mm-hmm. I don't think any of them are like bad. Like, dude's actually falling over. That's pretty fun. Yeah, he's putting his body on the line for us. Yeah. Uh, JP gave this one and a half star. And he only, or he or she <laughs> only wrote, Christ, this is tedious. No, it's not. It's not boring. This movie is like. Very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Cecil, one and a half star. This is from like August of 2013. It's way <laughs> back. The Lady Eve opens with a hilarious romance between a female con man, con woman, and her mark. Stanwick has to foil her partner. The equally funny Charles Coburn plans to cheat Fonda. What? Okay, that's the name of the actor. Uh, plans to cheat Fonda out of all his money. Hopefully, it's not too much of a spoiler to say that this part comes to an end an hour or so into the movie. If it had just been cut right then, this would have been a pretty wonderful romantic comedy, but then we would have wound up with them not together. If you want to experience something worth experiencing, just stop it there and don't worry about the rest. But there's well over half an hour left, and it will have you tearing your hair out and maybe trying to scratch out your eyes. Trust me, the second half of this movie is that bad. It's best exemplified by a scene in which Henry Fonda walks out of a train, slips in some mud, and falls on his ass. Somehow, a hilarious romantic comedy gets turned into a slapstick mess. It doesn't just fall downhill. It runs downhill like a cheetah. (laughs) Cheetahs don't run on hills. There's no hills where cheetahs live. I chose not to mark this review for spoilers because I want to believe I can save the sanity of just one viewer. It's that bad. How do you rate a movie whose latter half is orders of magnitude worse than its first half? It's my belief that one star or less signifies that something should never have been made, and the first half of The Lady Eve was well worth making. Yet, 
I finished this film with an awful taste in my mouth. And there's no way I could give it a positive or even mildly negative re- review without rewatching, but for the first half only. In the end, it really matters that I was staring at the clock, practically praying for this movie to end for at least a solid 30 minutes. Fucking person talking about orders of magnitude or whatever the fuck they said. Come Tur- on. Hey, turds, am I right? Well... It seems like the gripe with all these people, it's like, oh, it's long. It's not funny. Dude fell over. Dude fell over. It's like, yeah, he falls over. It's not like this major fucking plot point. He just falls over sometimes. Like, it's a recurring thing, but it's not over. It's not overdone. It's not like in your face. It's not like slipping on banana peels fucking left and right. With with sound effects. Yeah, he just fell over. Mm. Come on, turds. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, people, yeah. they're wrong. This movie's awesome. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's good. I like it too. I like it more that uh, you never said anything. Because mm-hmm. I just hate Jarrett Picks. <laughs> You're the worst. If anyone's interested, go to my letterbox and look under my tag, Jarrett Picks. Just the worst compilation well, of movies and, you've ever seen. Yeah, but don't trust those necessarily because sometimes RJ just like say, this is a movie's a Jared pick, even though I'm like, what is this movie? And I would never tell you to watch this. So there's, a, as I've you say, some, some fake picks in there. I've never done that. Come on. Yeah. Um, any last thoughts you want to share about this lovely movie? No, it was good. Awesome. Uh, after the break, RJ is going to realize that his bank account is empty and I have all his money and, uh, what all $8 good for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yup. I'm going to live high on the hog on a boat on an island with snakes and island ladies. To work one morning down the path alongside the lake A tender-hearted woman saw a poor half-frozen snake His pretty colored skin had been all frosted with a dew Oh, well, she cried, I'll take you in and I'll take care of you Take me in, oh, tender woman for heaven's sake, take me in, tender woman. The snake. Now she wrapped him up all cozy in a curvature of silk and then laid him by the fireside. Hey, RJ, are you any good at playing poker? Uh, I got second on a poker night uh, a year ago. Um, but how good were those people? Uh, they seemed uh, the one guy who beat me was better than me. Okay. <laughs> there was a, like a big drop after that. Uh, no, they were like good. Mm-hmm. I don't know how how good are you at poker? You chump. I I, I don't play in games of chance. Is that a game of chance? Uh, it's gambling. So yes. Mm. Mm. Put, it, put it another way. Um, 
How do you feel about snakes? Uh, you ever seen Anaconda? Yes, with with my man John Voight, the Midnight Cowboy himself. It's a pretty cool show, hey? Uh, and and uh, J-Lo. Yeah, and uh, Ice Cube. Yeah, there you go. What does our show come to? I don't Just know. Just talking about Anaconda. Anaconda. Uh, you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and uh, talk to us about Anaconda. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterbox. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Uh, we got that Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, we like listener feedback. We also like those podcast reviews because those help. Those help. I haven't, haven't you know, bugged people about that. So if you're a new listener, maybe throw one of those our way. It only takes a little bit of effort, I guess. Log in and rate us. Five stars or nothing, man. Five stars or nothing. Yes, please. Next week, spine number 104. Maybe this will describe the next episode. Double Suicide. <laughs> Directed by Masahiro Shinoda. Shinoda. From 1969. Uh, that sounds like it's going to be fun. You usually don't have good jokes, but that was a good one. <laughs> I've, yeah. been, I've been cracking wise all night. What are you talking about? Yeah, this is, this is a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I don't know. Maybe there won't be an episode next week. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll save it for on the air. Um, are, you, mm-hmm. are you excited about this movie? I don't know anything about this other than I know the title. I know that Criterion put it out, and I know the movie poster, but I don't like. I've never even read the synopsis, so I, this is a blind viewing for me. Yeah, I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Ever. Cool. Well, this will be interesting. Uh, it's not. I a, guess. It's, it's like nobody's pick. <laughs> uh, it'll be if it's bad. It's a Jared pick. If it's good, <laughs> it's one of mine. Perfect. All right. Well. Good night. And um, go eat something. Go get your energy up. Who me? Yeah. I'm gonna get a big bowl of sketty. Get, get back to that uh, dish of uh, chocolate almonds. I ate them all, man. Well, get fill it up again. You have a whole bag to get through. Oh, fuck. It's almost all gone. Oh, well then, polish her off. Choice. Bye. Um...